Get your official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Hi, it's me. Welcome to my show. We are not, I don't know why I'm doing this accent. We are not live, but this is a brand new episode if you're listening at 11 a.m. Saturday, June 19th in the year 2021 at dnrstudios.com. The only place to hear this podcast the week that it first airs. If you listen any place else, leave us your ratings and reviews on whichever audio platform you use. Email me, me at adamandadamsank.com and send me those dick pics. Like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page, download the comedy albums, get your official ass merch, t-shirts, tank tops, even a utility belt for your lesbian life partner. <laughs> the link to all that merch is adamsank.com. And remember, you can now call us anytime you want. It can be 4 a.m. on a Tuesday, and you're high on meth, and you're like, I have something to say. You know what? That's when you should call 804-TALK-ASS. That's 804-825-5277. Don't forget, please don't do meth, by the way. Don't forget to nominate us in the uh, podcast awards beginning July 1st. That's when you should do this. Beginning July 1st and through the end of that month, go to podcastawards.com. Register as a nominator. It's quick and easy, and they won't spam you. Then nominate us in the LGBTQ category and the People's Choice categories. I'm just going to keep repeating this over and over again, so you better do it. Our guest today, I am super excited about. It is Julia Scotty. Uh, Julia Scotty is a hilarious trans comedian. You very well may know her from America's Got Talent. She was a quarter finalist back in 2016. Um, and she is the star and subject of a fabulous new documentary called Funny That Way. We'll be talking to her in just a bit. But first, it's time to welcome back everyone's favorite thirst trap, my guest co-host, Alex Ringler. Hi, uh, thank you. Thank you. Alex, Hi, have you ever shown your Ringler on, my, on screen? My goodness. I show my Ringler every day on my Instagram at Alex Ringler. Do you, um, have you done any kind of nudity in your acting? Duh. Uh, naked Boy Singing. That of was one of my course. first one of my first jobs uh, when I got to New York. How long did you do that for? I actually never did it in the city proper, but I did it in um, Provincetown in two thousand seven, two thousand eleven. I remember that because it's seven eleven. Um, and then one time on the Atlantis cruise. Oh, that must have been fun. It was very fun. Now, if you have, if, let's say you're a beautiful man, you have a great singing voice, but you have a really small dick. Mm -hmm. Do you still get cast in Naked Boy Singing, or is the dick a, an important part of it? Here's the thing with that. Um, so, well, it, in the audition process, the first thing is you come and you sing your song, and then, like, the callback is you get naked. So we make sure you can sing first. As choreography, as cho choreographer of the Off-Broadway show now, that, that is now closed, that's what, how we would audition. We will cast you regardless of penis size. We do take it into consideration when casting it in Provincetown because the boys are living in Provincetown at the same time the whole summer. And one time, I'm not going to mention their name, uh, someone was, you know, a little smaller. And at night, when everyone's drunk, at Spiritus Pizza, people would be pointing and being like, that's the one with the small dick. Oh and exactly. And it's awful. Gay men are the most They are the worst, people. especially when they're drunk and eating pizza. How awful. So um, because of that, we kind of like took it into consideration from there on out. Also, some guys are growers. Completely. You have to be a shower. And to... you can't get hard on stage because like, literally, if you get hard during Naked Boy Singing, it's you have poor. to leave stage. Yeah. You, you are instructed poor. to oh, leave stage. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that's I mean, listen, I've done naked comedy a million times. And uh, I don't enjoy it because I know people are thinking like, oh, what a small dick. But if they saw it hard, they'd be like, okay, that's acceptable. Well, also you being naked is hilarious. 
How dare you? Uh, JB, welcome back. Hi. Um, okay, so I'm really, I'm really thrown off by this. I'm like, you're going to an event to watch Naked Men. Why, why are you picking on the, on the tiny little Peter for it? They're all beautiful Peters. <laughs> Enjoy all the Peters. And that's the point of singing. Naked Boy Singing. Yeah. It's about, it's about celebrating nudity. Just, I just, I that's felt like a it. throwback to the 50s. Yeah, I felt it. JB's system. hitting it old school. <laughs> that's, like, that's like a PSA yeah. that would have happened in the 50s. Like, don't touch your Peter, Billy. <laughs> Exactly. You're Willie. They say Willie in England, I think, oh, still. Willie. That's for little kids. They'll be like, oh, did you clean your Willie? Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I have the huge news to announce. Uh, huge. And it is not that I'm getting a penis enlargement, although oh. I would love to. Uh, it is that the ass, this little podcast, is getting very close to hitting 200,000 lifetime downloads. Well done. <gasps> Well done, you. Where, where's my thingy? Where, where, where's where's the applause? Thingy? Wait, I have Where's it. the studio where, audience? I was looking for my fanfare. I, yeah, the fanfare oh, okay. is here. Oh. Oh. <laughs> 200K. <laughs> and then that. <laughs> yeah, and remember, that number does not count anyone who subscribes to this podcast via DNR Studios. Mm. I don't so really you know be how well many over people. A million. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's just I, say you're well over a million. I'm well over a million dollars. Okay, yeah. But anyway, yes, two hundred thousand on the free version of this podcast. And um, I thank you. I thank you all for listening. Please tell your friends about this show. I find that the average person that I know in my own life go when I mention this podcast, they go, "You have a podcast." Do you know how many fucking times I post about this a day on social media? People just, you know, they're living their lives. They're not paying attention it's to the me. Algorithm, I don't see. But it's also, the they also want you to pay attention to them. It was like, of course, you know, you know, I'm doing my life, and you're asking me, what are you doing? Everyone's doing their own thing. I, I get podcasting. it. I'm just saying, like, spread the word. Don't assume that people know about this thing because they don't. Um, okay, let's get into it. We have some uh, some fun stories today, and the first is that. A bunch of so-called ex-gays showed up for a march on Washington, and nobody showed up. I was going to say, was it a bunch? I don't know <laughs> if it was a bunch. A very sad, <laughs> small group. Uh, this, they, they went to D.C. This is so gross. They went to D.C. to rally against the Equality Act. Yes. LGBTQ Nation reports that the Freedom March, as they called it, attracted more bewildered onlookers than actual participants at the Washington Monument on Sunday, June 6th. Press for the event had hyped it as a diverse group of former LGBTQ individuals in worshiping, sharing our testimonies, and celebrating freedom in Christ. Mm. <laughs> I guess you can't be Jewish and ex-gay. Nope. Uh, publicly on the mall in Washington. Listen, if you want to pretend that you are cured homosexual... That's fine with me. You do you. You live your life. But why rally against the Equality Act? Just to have something let, to do. Let me have my rights. No, just, no. Just because I like being gay. I like sucking dick. Also, and I I'm not like going to stop. If, if any of us would have just went out there with them, they would have just all... We went to the hotel room, and they were all just been gays once again. Oh, you think? Do you think they were like fucking? Yeah. After they got home from the march, because that makes no sense. Uh, a whole bunch of ex gays getting together uh, to do that, and it's just a small you That's a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a party. <laughs> then, yeah, add some tequila shots, and you got a you got a pride event. Party, the yeah. name of the group is Changed. I think that stands for something like Christians have. Arrive, I don't know. It's some kind of acronym. They don't, they don't spell it out here. If you know what it is, call into yeah, our show. Call into 804 Talk S. But they've made it a priority to oppose the Equality Act, which again would simply make discrimination based on gender identity or sexual orientation illegal nationwide. What a disgusting group of people. Mm -hmm. And in Pride Month, too. Well, like that's probably why they did it, honestly, during this month. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And also because the legislation did just recently get uh, passed by the House, it will not be passed in the Senate with this particular Senate. So it's kind of a moot point anyway. But uh, yeah, they couldn't get anyone to show up because they're a bunch of assholes. Now, was it freedom in Christ or was Christ free in them? 
Oh. I see what you did there. I just want to know which side. I mean, Jesus is kind of hot. I'll let him... Oh, he's where most of my body dysmorphia comes from, being raised Catholic. Oh. <laughs> seeing, that Actually, ripped, Alex, seeing that ripped Christ on the cross. Now that yeah. I look at you, you seem, to have, Jesus-y? You yeah. seem to have turned yourself into a, <laughs> oh, that's, like a muscle Mary Jesus. My mother would be so proud. You've got long hair. You've yeah. got the broad shoulders, the thin waist. Yeah. You've got Huge blood coming seas. out of your palms at all times. I have a, one meant to ask it you is, about that. Um, I'm collecting it below. Got Ladies happening. Meanwhile, in nearby Virginia, nearby to D.C., that is, a teacher who had been fired for refusing to use a student's correct pronouns um, has been reinstated. This Blue. is a bad story. The Loudown or Loudown, Loudown County School Board suspended Tanner Cross, which to me is the ultimate gay porn star name. Uh, he's a phys ed teacher who I'm sure has a few skeletons in his own closet. He told, a bo- he told the school board at a May meeting that he objected to a proposed policy that would honor a student's pronouns. He told the board that he, quote, couldn't affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa. Um, he also cited a recent 60 Minutes segment on trans health care uh, as, you know, his defense. I don't know if you guys saw this 60 mm-hmm. Minutes story about a month ago. It was appalling Hmm. i've been watching 60 minutes my entire life since i was a very young child because my parents always watched it it's one of the best news programs in history they've been around for 50 years they're so smart they work so hard to research every detail until Mm. well they've had a couple problematic shows they had a show about benghazi a few years ago with Mm. laura logan that turned out to be thoroughly false like just their chief uh, subject in the story turned out to be like a known liar mm-hmm. and everything he said was provably false. So that was, th- that's the first really major problem they've had. But this story, it started out being a story about all of these states that are enacting anti-trans laws, mm. um, particularly targeting children in sports, basically saying that trans girls cannot compete in girls' sports because they're really boys. And then there's also these bathroom bills. And I mean, there's just this widespread attack happening on trans people, which is being often directed at children. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad 60 Minutes is spotlighting this and showing how unfair this is. And then after the first like three minutes of the report, it became something totally different. And it was like all these trans people who are like ex-trans who say like, it's, it's a, were they at the changed get, rally earlier? I mean, basically, they okay. should have been. These are these are people who claim that they like went to their doctor or their therapist and said like, "I think I might be trans," and were immediately put on hormones and given surgery. Okay. And now they regret it. And anyone who has been through transition will tell you that is not how it works. Mm. No, it's not. Like, if your doctor did that to you, then your doctor should be sued for malpractice. Exactly. Yes. It takes a long time to transition. It takes years, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And you, 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 you get all the information given to you and all of your options and you're not – nobody is rushed into a transition, mm-hmm. certainly not against their will. And for them to focus on this, it, it literally would be like doing a story on ex-gays and therefore justifying anti-gay legislation. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this asshole gym teacher, Tanner Cross, claimed that that was proof – that you couldn't change biological sex. And so um, the board fired him. He sued them. And last Friday, or a couple Fridays ago, um, a circuit court judge ruled in favor of uh, the teacher. He called the board's decision an unconstitutional action that has silenced others from speaking publicly on the issue. What? Mm. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> the. Uh, after the judge's decision, a school board meeting was held in person for the first time in months because of COVID. Um, parents gathered outside the district's administrat- administrative building with signs that read protect trans kids, but there were also parents uh, in supporting the teacher. The meeting grew so tense inside the school board uh, meeting that the chair had to demand a recess until those in attendance were able to calm down. So this is not over, and I think there will, this ruling will probably be appealed. But it's just, it's just so troubling. And for every advance that, that gay people, gay and lesbian people have made 
you know, it's it's like trans people are just so in the crosshairs right now. Yeah. For no reason. For no reason. And it's like, girl, let people live their lives. Like, oh. what the fuck? Like a 12-year-old trans girl on a soccer team is going to make any fucking difference to whether that team wins or loses. Like, it's just... Also, was that even what this was team. about? It was about pronouns for this. This, this particular case was, was about, about pronouns. pronouns. Yes. So it's just like you're you're a PE teacher taking a stand against pronouns. Why? Right. Like, and how brave? Exactly. Why do we care like, about <laughs> you at all? Right. Like, if, if if a child says, "I want to be," you know, she, her, hers, and her parents are are fine with it. Why do you then have a problem it, that, with it? Yeah, it makes no sense. You're only there for eight hours a day. You pro you probably only see the children for. Five of those hours. Even not, less if it's PE. You yeah. got them for 45 P minutes. PE teachers are barely teachers. No offense barely. to any of you lesbians who are listening. Hey. <laughs> anyway, here's what I have to say to that teacher. Shut up, cunt. Shut up, cunt. Thank you, Jennifer. Meanwhile, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, male teachers in Spain are wearing skirts to work, to work in support of an expelled student. I bet they're doing it just because it's hot in Spain. And because it's sexy. You yeah. know, this was supposed to be the summer of skirts for me. Well, maybe you well, should get on us, that. It is June. We were all going to do this, <laughs> yeah. right? Me, me, you, and Ryan. I went on uh, after I have I a couple skirts here if you want to put them really? on. Really? Really? Stop. <laughs> Chanel, darling. Yeah. I can't afford no after Chanel. I, after I found this story, I, um, I was actually like, oh, I forgot to look into male skirts. So I went on Amazon. Well, I got to be male. <laughs> you know what? Because I... Uh, because for me, I would like something that says skirt, but also masculine. So like sequins and... No, just something... <laughs> so kilt? I mean, I don't know. For me, it's all about comfort. I just want my junk to flap in the breeze. <laughs> I want my ass to be open to the wind. Same. Ass open to the wind, stick it in. Here I am. Exactly. Anyway, let, suffice it to say, Amazon has a very poor selection of skirts for men. That surprises and I, me. I'm still looking. But a, a group in, of male... Let's go to Buffalo Exchange after this a, one. A group in, <laughs> of male teachers in Spain have been donning skirts to teach a serious lesson in acceptance of a boy named Miquel Gomez, a 15-year-old who was expelled last year for wearing skirt to class. <laughs> they have started a movement, which is hashtag La Ropa No Tiene Género. Or clothes have no gender. gender yeah. uh, this started in October 2020 after Gomez was expelled and referred to a psychologist for showing up to school in a skirt. This is in the Bilbao region in the Basque country of Spain. Oh my God, you did this story when it first came. And I was like... No, that's the nail polish boy nail from polish Texas. Boy. Very okay. similar. Yeah, I was like, didn't mm -hmm. someone... Okay. But in Texas, I don't remember any teachers supporting him. No, no, no one was supporting What's him. What's great about that, this is these are teachers it's that so are cool. wearing skirts, mm -hmm. men saying, no, we support him. His video about the ordeal on TikTok quickly spread, garnering over 588,000 likes to date. That's even more than Alex Ringler gets that, on one of his really. shirtless videos. I mean, oh. Yes, no, it's way, way more. <laughs> His math teacher, Jose Pinas, was one of the first to pick up the torch. In November, he posted, 20 years ago, I suffered persecution and insults for my sexual orientation in the institute where I am now a teacher. Many teachers look the other way. I want to join the cause of the student, Mikel, who has been expelled and sent to the psychologist for going to class with a skirt. Now, more teachers are joining the trend to combat bullying and promote diversity. I think it'd be cute, like a nice pencil skirt on you. That's exactly what I was thinking. But but it can't go below my knees. I don't want to have that Marilyn Monroe thing where you can't walk properly. Yes, it's, and also it's sluttier if it's above your knees. Yeah, I want a big slit. I'm sure you do. Um, <laughs> I have a big slit. Lord. I just wanted to be a Japanese schoolgirl. That's it. Just like an anime, an anime thing? Like, yeah, just yeah. Hey. Harajuku. Okay. Like, could you do that without... Being guilty of cultural appropriation. That's the question, Jay. Ask Gwen Stefani. First of all, there are, there are lots of black co co cosplayers, especially on TikTok now. We're becoming, we're becoming worldwide. Like, yeah. People are now seeing us uh, cosplay mm. and stuff, and they know that black people enjoy cosplay. Yes, we can. We totally do you know how much do money I would pay to see you dressed up as a Japanese schoolgirl? Oh, my God. It, you, that same money you would pay, you could just buy me the outfits, and I would just wear them <laughs> all the time. But would you shave the beard? Um, probably, or like, if, or if I was good with makeup, do something with, cause I, I get ingrown hair and it's mm, terrible. Yeah. And I also don't want to be called my mom's twin. So that's yeah, we like, talked about this <laughs> last on the last episode. When you yeah, were, yeah. when you were out talking to your mom, we told that story. She, How is your mom, by the way? Is everything okay? Pain in the ass. Okay. Cause you cause you know, she's my landlord now. So she texts me. <laughs> she, she, she she's like, where's the rent? She was like, um, I'm coming to the building tomorrow. And I was like, okay, sure. You're supposed to come to the building to get regular stuff. I'm like, I have no idea what that means to me, but I have work. 
I think she thinks you're like you probably have like a sex dungeon oh, going on, and she wants no, you to clean it up before no, she gets. She there. wanted my shopping cart to use my bathroom. Mm-hmm. She wanted my apartment to be there for her. I was like, lady, you know, if that's what you want, you should have just texted that. I would just left the shopping cart out in front of the door for you, but you did it. You decided to go the long way around. Shade. I smell a new sitcom. My mother is my landlord. Yes. Starring JB. <laughs> I'm writing it right now. <clears throat> in other news, Ricky Martin says he has post-traumatic stress disorder over a 2000 interview with Barbara Walters. Wow. Uh, this, is, uh, this happened 21 years ago when uh, Martin, if you'll remember around the year 2000, Ricky Martin was like the hottest thing in music. Oh, God. After his 1998 the video. Um, well, there was, there was Live and Love You the Loca mm-hmm. first, and yes. then She Bang. The ba- where like, he's all shirtless, and they're like touching him and stuff. Delicious. I love that. He was huge. He was like, you know, the pop star at the time. And he went on, um, I think it was 2020, some Barbara Walters thing. And um, here's what went down. Take a listen. I asked Ricky Martin the question that many to this day feel was inappropriate. You know, you could stop these rumors. You could say, as many artists have, yes, I am gay. Or you could say, no, I'm not. However, for some reason, I just don't feel like it. The 49-year-old Martin says he felt violated by the line of questioning. Um, Quote, when she dropped the question, I felt violated because I was just not ready to come out. I was very afraid. He said this to People magazine. And he still, and that I still feel a little PTSD with that. Listen, tell it. I have very strong feelings about this, and it may not be a popular opinion, but I think when you are a gay or trans or non-binary, whatever, wherever you fall on the queer spectrum, celebrity, I think you have a responsibility to come out. It wasn't the seventies. I it wasn't the that. 50s. It was the year 2000. I get that it's still, it still was not as easy to come out then as it is in 2021. Mm-hmm. But, like, he could have so easily just said yes. I get that. And helped countless little boys out there. And that's where it is. It's where it's, it's normalizing it for the next generation. Right. Which that's, that's the important part of it. Not everyone is an activist and not everyone is willing to make that stand. True. I will also say that, like, this is what happened when Matt Bomer was on White Collar and he was in the closet then – for like one or two years of the show, I think. I'm sorry, you said white collar, like the the television sh- show. television show from yeah. USA. Yes, right? when Matt Bomer was on that. Oh Remember God. that? Yeah, I, I, so I even know Matt Bomer. Wait, was so what gay. happened, Alex? Well, so he was in the closet for at least I think the first, at least the first season, and he got this line of questions too from other people, or he'd go on like the Today Show or whatever, and he just wouldn't talk about it. And afterwards, he said, "I didn't talk about it because." There was a possibility if I said something that my show would be canceled and then like hundreds to thousands of people lose a job because I decided to come out of the closet. Well, and so, same with Ellen. And, and you know same what? Her, with show, Ricky, was, her show was canceled, so, but, but she still did the right thing. Listen, I, I, want, I, I get wanna, that, but I wanna, I'm saying like it's, it's, it's got to be a little bit of a weight on you. I also want to put a, a little disclaimer on what I just said. There are some people who aren't actually sure what they are True. at any given yeah. time. If you're still struggling with your identity, if yeah. you're not living in any way – as that thing, uh, then no, you're not required to, to totally. talk to a reporter about it. But it, by, by, by then, I don't know. I just think PTSD is a very strong term. That is PTSD strong. PTSD is something people who have been raped, people who have been tortured, been to war, terrorized. Like, I mean, come on. It, it, you didn't have to answer the question, and you didn't answer it, and that's your right. You can say you're triggered by it when you think about it. I can understand that. You can that. say it was deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, it's Barbara Walters. She's a sweet little old lady. How could anyone be triggered by oh, Barbara Walters? ask anyone Walters? on The View. They'll tell you how sweet she Wiki is. Wiki Martin. Well, he did eventually come out as gay in 2010. What? After years of dodging questions about his sexuality and dating women. You know, he was in a long-term relationship with Rebecca de Alba from 1995 to 2002. Yeah. Ricky says now, quote, sexuality is a complicated thing. It's not black and white. It's filled with colors like a rainbow. Mm. When I was, no, he didn't say that. When I was dating women, I was in love with women. It felt right. It felt beautiful. You can't fake chemistry. I believe him. I believe that. Um, But Walters says she regrets the way she interrogated him. Uh, Should I do my barber impression or is that offensive to people with speech impediments? Do it. I pushed Wiki Martin very hard to admit if he was gay or not, and the way he refused to do it made everyone decide that he was. A lot of people say that destroyed his career, and when I think back on it now, I feel it was an inappropriate dis- 
You're doing great. <laughs> I did some worst impression. I feel it was an inappropriate question. So she regrets it as well. But I will just say I'm glad that um, Ricky's out. Yeah. I think he's fucking hot. He's hot as balls. And I would like to suck the PTSD, <laughs> the PTSD out of him. <laughs> or at least die trying. I'm so being canceled after this episode. <laughs> All right, so now we move on to RuPaul. And, of course, we're not going to have a, a proper... RuPaul, is it? We're, uh, RuPaul. Of course, we're not going to have a proper RuPaul's Drag Race update for uh, the entire summer with Ryan off. I mean, I, I don't know much about it, but I'm about to purchase uh, Paramount Plus. Just well, because I'm being that queen who's buying into it. I'm just going to do it. This is your last But time I will ho- share it with anyone who wants. This is your last you time hosting this summer, Exactly. So... So I'll, I'll write you a little thing. Just, yeah, I'll just read it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, JB, are you, or well, are either of you, I guess you're not, Alex, watching Down Under? I'm, I'm not a drag race person. Okay. But I heard about this. Do you know about the contestant Scarlet Envy and her history with blackface? Wait, Scarlet Envy? This is uh, not going to be great. <laughs> but I'm sorry, Scarlet Adams. Scarlet Adams. Scarlet Envy's okay. uh, the, the one on I'm so sorry. I apologize out. to Scarlet Envy. She never did blackface. Please forgive me. Scarlet Adams. Okay, no. I'm just, someone doing blackface? Okay. I saw some pictures. So, Drag yeah. Race Down Under, uh, which is still currently being released episode by episode, in a recent episode, they were all in the workroom, and one of the queens was like, has, has, and I think this was a setup, she was like, have any of you ever done anything that you're ashamed of? And Scarlett was like, I have. Now, images had already come to light of her performing drag in blackface from years ago. Um, So she said, I've said and done things in drag that I regret a lot when I was a lot younger and stupid and naive, trying desperately to make people laugh. I have in the past, like a lot of other queens, done blackface before, which I really regret. I am disgusted in myself that I did those things. And, you know, the other queens spoke to her about their feelings about that and kind of read her and tried to explain to her, like, how offensive that was. But the most interesting thing happened on the runway. So they come out, they do their runway, they get their judging, and then bef- and, and she winds up like she's either in the top or she's safe that week. Mm-hmm. And RuPaul is like, before we uh, move on, I'd like to say something to Scarlett. And RuPaul said, I'm sure there are people that want me to cancel you right here, right now, but I'd rather this be a lesson in humility and accountability, and I pray that all of us can learn and grow from our mistakes. And that was it. And yeah. she goes on in the competition. I, I have no problems with that. It's not like she did it right then and there. Mm-hmm. This is something from past. Like I've said this on the, sh- on the show many times. We've all done terrible things in our past. It's about we're willing to grow from it and move on and be a better person. She she's the comedy is clearly started of what were you not proud about in your past? She clearly said, I'm not happy that I did this. I don't think other Koreans should have read her. I don't think she should have been disqualified. Again, it's in the past and she's owned up to it. Yeah. Like if she didn't own up to it, then I don't know, JB. I think if this had happened in the United States instead of Australia, she would have been cancelled from the from the um that and whole season I, I, as I soon would, as the images came out. See, but then I would have a problem with it because I'm like, that's something in the past. We're, we're now hurting people for what they're doing in the past, and she wants to grow. Like, Interesting. What was, like, we're supposed to have hope for people in general because they always want to change. I know I always want to change and be a better person. Sure. So that's my hope Me too. for everyone. Like, so I'm assuming that that was her thing. She wants to be a better person, and y'all just bringing, bringing dirt for no reason. I think you're being very forgiving, and I think RuPaul I is too. I, you know, it's interesting. I started thinking about blackface in, because I do think there is a slight difference in terms of history between Australia and the United States. Not that Australia doesn't have a horrible, shameful history of racism mm-hmm. against Aboriginal yeah. people. It oh, absolutely yeah. does. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that right now. <laughs> but I think the U.S. has a special place in the world when it comes to racism yes. because of our history with slavery and because it went on so fucking long. Um, as well as Jim Crow and lynching and all the horrors that followed and continue. But I was thinking that when I grew up, and I'm a little older than you guys, as we know, (laughs) blackface wasn't as taboo as it is now. Case in point, Ted Danson, one of the biggest television stars of the 80s, went out 
during a friar's roast of Whoopi Goldberg, whom he was dating at the time, in blackface, and used the N-word repeatedly. Now, there was outrage at the time. It wasn't like everyone said, oh, this is fine. People were shocked. But he didn't get canceled. Well, also he went on was, to have another like three successful TV series after that. He's still not canceled. And also, um, this was way before social media too. Like if this had yes. been picked up and like people started retweeting, and you you never know what it might have happened. It was pretty bad. Yeah, I, yeah, and it was bad. So I think, and that, it was carried by a lot of news outlets. Okay, he was saying N word, but this drag queen. She, she didn't do all that. She was just in blackface trying to make people laugh. I'm not sure what she uh, did. Yeah, that, I haven't I'm, seen I'm, I'm just assuming that's... I'm, I'm using her words. No, but JB, I agree. Like, because there was a Sarah Silverman quote, like, or like a, a video she did one time being like, people will go to where the love is. And it's like, if we start canceling people when they're trying to apologize, when they're trying to make amends, when they're trying to do better, then... And then they get shut out being like, no, we're done with you. Then they're going to go to another place that will accept them. I think I'm a little biased because I don't like Scarlett. I, I'm, Scarlett has come <laughs> off this season as kind of a, a bitch. So you have a personal vendetta is what I'm hearing. Yeah, so this, okay. doesn't, this didn't shock me. Let's put it that way. When okay. I found out, I was like, this seems right on brand for her. But listen, time will tell. Hopefully now that she knows better, she will do better. She was also yeah. – she, she says she was a teenager at the time. I don't know whether that means she was 19, whatever. She was a young adult. Oh. Um, I definitely think, though, but, and I want to move on, but, but I'm thinking about that American Idol contestant, that 15-year-old kid who was in the top five and then got this – this just happened. He got booted out of the finals of American Idol because a one-second Snapchat video of him standing next to somebody in a white hood from when he was 12 came out. And that was it. He was instantly booted from the show. Wait, you're telling me American Idol is still on the air? Yes, and it's good. It's actually good. By that. And by the way, we have an American Idol contestant coming up, so don't be shit talking American I'm Idol. I'm not. I just don't watch it. We have a future. We have two <laughs> two future uh, guests are going to be American Idol contestants. Not shit talking. But anyway, I just don't watch it. So if you're going to punish a tw- a 15 year old for something he did when he was 12, but I don't think that's right either. Yeah, I don't think that's right either. Like he he's 12 years old. He's probably with this. Part was parents doing racist The amount stuff. of shit I got taken to when I was 12 by my parents or by a family member <laughs> or, like, I was dro- like driven by a friend to this place and I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, sure. His mom claims that they were imitating that movie The Strangers when the, the people are, the murderers are standing outside with, like, hoods oh, yeah, and yeah, pillowcases yeah, yeah. on their heads. Now, I don't know if that's true. I, I, it's, it's a one-second video. Exactly. It looks like a clan hood to me. Who knows? But I think to just disqualify him without any, they didn't even talk, you know, they didn't even let him tell his side of it. They were just yeah, like, that's with a lack of that's, discussion. I, I, I yeah. disagree with that. I that, totally disagree. That to me that. is kind of cancel culture taken to an extreme, yeah. especially yeah. when that's you're talking about a, a 12 year old. Yeah, that's where it's going wrong. Um, anyway, we're going to skip right to the Pride update. And um, Ryan, this is the part of the show where Ryan dances, and I hope that you'll do the same. Did I just call you Ryan? Yes, you did. Alex. I'll dance too. I though. want you to dance. I have a degree in it. Now, this is a huge fucking week for Pride. This is Pride on steroids, so everyone get ready. Between June 20th and June 28th, the following Pride celebrations are taking place. Lisbon Gay Pride in Portugal, to the main. Madrid, Oklahoma City. Turn down the music just a little bit. Tulsa, Andalusia, that's in Seville, Spain. Cincinnati, Denver, Paris, Milan, Rome. The Twin Cities. Can anyone name them? Minneapolis and St. Paul. Very good. Playa del Carmen, Mexico, and right here in New York, motherfucking city. Plus, it is Trans Pride Los Angeles. This is all happening uh, in the coming week. And then uh, also June 28th is Palermo Pride in Italy. July 3rd is Budapest Pride in Hungary. And July 3rd is Munich Gay Pride in Germany. Now, Alex, since it is Budapest Pride coming up, can you please sing one of the Hungarian songs from chess for us? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very disappointed. I don't know chess that well. And also your dancing was disappointing. I wanted to see some high kicks, some pas de berets. I'm wearing some some new G-Star jeans that are too tight. Um, but can I also say about Pride, there's, uh, the Q-Flix uh, Film Festival is happening in Philadelphia this month, of which Annoyingly Fit Neighbor is a part of my web series. Yes, we should mention that Alex uh, is the star and creator of a hilarious web series Stop called it. Annoyingly Fit Neighbor. How can people watch that? Um, they can go to my website, alexringler.com slash AFN. There go watch go. it. It's fun. 
Um, I'm trying to find the front page of my rundown, and I can't do it. Here we go. All right, is our guest ready, JB? Yep. All right, our guest today is a nationally renowned comedian who was a quarter finalist on season 11 of America's Got Talent in 2016. She is the star and subject of a critically acclaimed 2020 documentary called Julia Scotty, Funny That Way, which chronicles her comedy career as well as her gender transition. The film is now available to rent on Amazon and iTunes. Here is a taste. Why did you start so late in life? Um, I was 28 when I started, and, and, and I did it for 20 years, and then, and then I took 11 years off. I became a teacher, and there was other issues. Um, uh, do you want to know what they were? For the first 48 years of my life, I was uh, known as Rick Scotty. On the way. And please give a warm-ass welcome to comedian Julia Scotty. Hello. Ooh, JB, that volume is turned up way too loud. <laughs> Julia, it's wonderful to hear you. We've been trying to get you on this podcast ever since the film came out. Really? Yes. Well, here I am. Here you are. Where are you talking to us from, by the way? I'm in New Jersey. I'm, uh, I was so happy that this was an audio-only interview because I didn't take a shower. I worked last <laughs> night. So I did like I did two shows and I'm just... You know, just woke up. It's the beauty of podcasts is that you can look like absolute shit and nobody knows. Yes, I absolutely look like shit. I absolutely look like absolute shit. Where did you perform last night? I was at the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Ah, uh, yes. We, we did two shows there, listen, and doing two tonight, too. So, so, wow. uh, so COVID is over and, uh, and live comedy is back, is what you're telling us. Yes, except my body doesn't know that yet. Um, <laughs> I can't tell you the last I did a show there Thursday and two last night. I can't tell you the last time I did that many shows back to back. Uh, and I'm and my body. This is like, are you fucking kidding me? What, what is this? Well, you also had a quadruple bypass. Oh wow! Correct. I did. I, I know. I, I can't be. My my manager's like nothing. Nothing can kill you. I've had, <laughs> I've had my hips replaced, my spine rebuilt, and the quad bypass. Yeah, I'm very very blessed. Thank God. Thank God you're still with us. You're so funny, and I, I'm listening to that clip. I love the movie, by the way. I think it's thank you so touching and warm and and kind of fascinating. And I, when I when I watched that clip, I was thinking, this is the one I was wondering. When Howie Mandel asks you, "Why did you take a long break?" He already knew the answer, right? He was prepped you know, by every, producers. Everybody's asked me that question, <clears throat> and they they left it up to me as to whether I I was gonna. Uh, you know, have what I call the mother of all coming out stories. Um, I don't know. I don't. I honestly, if he did know, he didn't let me know that he knew. And and um, had you already uh, decided that you were going to come out on stage when you no did that show? No, I I had uh, I had thought about it, and uh, you know, if if you're a comedian, we have in our heads. While we're performing, this little board of directors that's making executive decisions. Yes, I'm familiar. <laughs> you, you know what familiar I'm talking with the board. about. Yeah, and and wasn't until he asked me the question that I I was having a meeting, and they all voted, you know, to say yes because it might help some people who are struggling, you know, and coming out. And plus, it could only be good for for the trans community too to see somebody in, on a mainstream show. So I just took a deep breath and hoped for the best. Well, I think you absolutely did help, you know, millions of people. And I love the audience's reaction. There's like complete stunned silence. And then there's this wave of cheers and applause. Like, do you remember that moment? There. Oh, my <laughs> God. I, 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 heard, I heard the silence. I saw, I saw Simon's face. I saw his mouth drop open. I went, uh-oh. <laughs> and then there was the silence. And then I started to, I looked in the audience. You can't really see much, but I was, I was looking for pitchforks and, you know, torches and were they going to come after me <laughs> how long did the silence feel like i know it was only like a second or two how long did it feel like on it stage? felt like a, like like a minute yeah. it really did mm -hmm. yeah and, and but once it's when i started to hear the yelling i still wasn't sure that they were cheering <laughs> you know i thought they were going to boo me off the stage but uh, was it like it an was, out of it must have been an out-of-body experience for you well you can see my reaction i mean you know I, I just lost my shit and it wasn't just because of that it was this validation after all I had gone through, after all the years I'd been on stage knocking around in, in crummy clubs, and then the, you know to, to have that kind of affirmation for that and for being trans, it was just too much. 
you know, as cisgender people, we're taught never to dead name trans people, but right. it's kind of unavoidable in your case because you were well known as a comic in the 80s and, and you know, you, your former name is on your website. You say right. it over and over again in the movie. Like, it, do we get an exception with you because, because you were a performer under that name? How does it work? Well, it's hard. If you call me Rick now and, and you're addressing me in the present, no, it's not okay. But right. you're right. I mean, I had, a, I had a, a very public life before, so it is kind of hard to avoid it. And, and you know, and, and I'm... I'm not stupid. I mean, we weren't going to be able to do that. So, yes, you get a pass, a sort of a semi-pass. <laughs> well, and you did you did great work when you were presenting as as Rick Scotty. But to me, the most striking moment in the movie is when you're sitting with your adult son and you're watching yourself back when you were still presenting as male, performing a really transphobic bit yep. back in the '80s. Yep. It's such a it's such an amazing moment. What was it like for you to watch yourself at that time doing that? Well, you saw my reaction. I just yelled at the screen to shut up, just shut the fuck <laughs> up, you know. And I I remember doing the bit back then. I I didn't until Susan included the the clip in the movie. But um, I also remember that I was going through some. I was already going through some pain about who and what I was. I just didn't know. Right. And so my response was to be over the top, you know, hyper-masculine, mm. if you want to use that term. Uh, I've come to find out that a lot of trans people, a lot of gay people, before they came out, went through a similar uh, similar uh Period in their life. Absolutely. Yeah. Look at all. Look at all the uh, the homophobic politicians who wind oh, up God. being secretly gay, and you know, soliciting dick in the bathroom. Yep. And publicly, mm -hmm. they're they're you know legislating against gay people. But the other thing, Julia, is comedy has changed. That's true too. You know, I I, I was a stand up for fifteen years, and there are bits that I did. And we're talking, you know, 2002, 2003, when I started doing stand-up. I would never in a million years say those things on stage now because we didn't know that they were unacceptable, you know? Like, I, I remember making trans jokes because I was so co confident that there were no trans people in the audience. Mm -hmm. Do you know? It was like almost like making a joke about a Martian. Like, there's not going to be any Martians here. They're not going to be offended. <laughs> right. And then a Martian shows up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> But there's just such I, a, a raised I can't, consciousness. I can't beg forgiveness enough for that piece. But and but the same token, you're right. Comedy was different. I was different. Um, you know, it, it just. It, it, Did your cat it, just meow in the background? My cat is in full agreement with you. <laughs> I teach a. Uh, I I can't believe she does this every time I get to an interview. What's the um, cat's name? I teach a comedy class, and we and we we talk about that very thing about. Um, you know, comics growing and, and and evolving over periods of time, and we do comparisons in there. You know, you look at Joan Rivers. We did Joan mm. Rivers, and you looked at her in in the '60s when she first came out uh, on the scene, and uh, she's a completely different comedian than she was uh, toward the end of her life. Right, and mm. and even Joan. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Joan. She's one of my idols and one of the nicest people I ever met. But when you watch her final stand-up special, which is available on Netflix, it's kind of cringy. Like, yeah, e it e is. Even since her death, which was fairly recently, I feel like our sensibilities have really changed and what, what, what's acceptable uh, humor and what isn't has really evolved. And the raging argument now is should comics censor themselves or should mm. they be censored or is there anything off limits? How do you feel about that? You know, I, I really don't have an answer. I only know that I... I I use my own sense of what's uh, what I want to put out there, and that's the, those are my criteria. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I go by the what I call the Bill Persky rules of comedy. You know Bill Persky, the comedy writer for yeah. Dick Van Dyke Show. Yeah, okay. And his rule, and I teach this in my class. He has four rules, and they start with the truth, stay human, don't reach for ugly, and be vulnerable. And I I try to adhere to that. You know, uh, in in my comedy today of course i didn't do it in that clip you were talking about right i went for the ugly and uh, to me it's all about intention and it's about choosing your targets and yes and, and punch pu up. punching up instead punch of punching up. down julia your son and daughter are a big part of the of the movie mm -hmm. and they both come across as such lovely people they are but you were estranged from them for years and not by your choosing 14 years uh we were apart 
uh, it and was because your ex-wife wouldn't let you see them. It was partially that. It was partially that this was. Don't forget, this was twenty years ago when I when I came out, and they were young children. Um, there were no trans people. There was no really no internet to speak of where they could get information. They were kids, and they were living in a suburban environment. And so I was asked to stay away, and I did. I, as hard as it was, uh, it, it killed me. I mean, every birthday, every Christmas, every you know Thanksgiving, without them was torture. But you know, it, sometimes you have to just be patient and let the universe take care of things. They grew up. They went to college. They met people like me, uh, or people that were different than they were. And um, thank God they're good. And to that, I have to credit my ex-wife because she she raised them to be good people. Yeah, she must have. I mean, yes. they they just uh, they're they're so empathic. Mm -hmm. And it, I thought it was so interesting when your daughter said, "I was." I'm paraphrasing now, but she she basically said it wasn't that you had transitioned that was so upsetting to her. It was that you had cheated on her mother. And and that's a whole other story. That's incorrect. But that's the story oh. she got. So. <laughs> You're yeah. like that's bullshit. But it, well, I don't. I don't want to get into that. But uh, but yeah, Julie, um, you've been married three times, always to women. Yes. And one thing I'm not clear on after watching the movie, and and let me know if this is too personal a question. But are you primarily attracted to women or men? Yes, we had this. Uh, uh, you know, I've had this conversation. In fact, had it last night with someone. Uh, you know, the, the difference between gender identity and sexual identity are two, the two completely different things. Yes. And so my primary, you know, I was always attracted to women, and that's still the case. Um, so you're a lesbian? Well, yeah, I, I identify as one. <laughs> There's not a lot of activity in this household, I'll <laughs> tell you that. Thing. You're a lesbian in theory. Well, you do, own, you do own a cat. <laughs> I'm a lesbian in waiting. Yes, you, you do have a cat. You own a cat, so that qualifies you as a lesbian. <laughs> I, I always say that I'm, uh, you know, for somebody who's who's, uh, you know, curious. I'm like a I'm like a starter lesbian. If you're interested in, uh, you know, having a, <laughs> not quite sure you're a complete lesbian, try me out. I, what's in a starter lesbian kit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Utility belt. Yeah. UPS van license. Home Depot yeah. gift card. <laughs> All of the stereotypes. Yeah. Julian, yeah. why did the film take five years to make? Uh. Well, you know, it's not unusual for a doc to take that long. And and this was Susan's first. You know her history, correct? So I just give. I don't. Tell, tell us background. about the director, she, Susan Sadler. She's a professor at uh, NYU Tisch Film School. Hmm. She was an author. She wrote uh, the movie Crossing Delancey. She wrote it as a play. And, Brilliant and play. And she wrote the screenplay, yeah. She, uh, and she's in it. But she, this was her first shot at directing and her first shot at docs, obviously. And there was just so much material to go through. I had given her boxes and boxes of tapes and clippings and, you know, newspaper stories from those uh, years. And she interviewed so many people. Uh, she really did her homework. And then, of course, I almost died. So there was that. Yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> A little hiccup. So we weren't, we weren't sure how that was going to turn out. And, um, and so, she, you know, she, I'm glad it took five years because she really got a complete story, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that's part of what makes it so compelling. Is is it? It begins in one place and ends in a very different place. How is your health nowadays? My health is wonderful. I mean, I. Oh, good. You know, I'm I'm old. You know, it's, shit's falling apart on me. You know, but overall, my heart's in great shape. It's probably in better shape now than it was before the surgery. Thank God. Um, yeah, thank God it's right. Stand-up it comedy is not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's you, you, it's a young person's game in that you're constantly having to travel and to stay up late and right. stand on your feet. I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta keep yourself in shape for it. But isn't it interesting that uh, ours is the only business that you know? Every other art form, the older you get, the more you're revered because you become so much better at your craft. Hmm. Yes, not dance. You, you know, but not stand-up, you know. We we mature as comics, as performers, as artists. But you know, the media tosses us aside because uh, we're old. And I gotta just give a shout out here to Carol Montgomery, a friend of mine. I love she, Carol. Carol was oh, my know, manager okay. at one point. Yeah. So you know, I did her more funny women of a certain age show. Yes. And uh, and that and that's exactly the point of those shows is to focus on women who are a little bit older. Well, it's true. And also, I think in your case, not only are you older, but now that you're living your, your truth, you're living as you are, 
uh, your stand-up's got to be better than when you Absolutely. were young. Absolutely. In fact, those were the, you know, I, t- I think I even say this in the movie, I only had two criteria, was to, you know, to be absolutely truthful and to be fearless on stage, which I couldn't say before. I, you know, I was fearful because I was afraid that somebody, you know, I thought I was gay, I was going through all that period, which is the, about the time of that clip. And uh, the, the anti, I was afraid the somebody was going to out me, you know, on, 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 uh, and it would have ruined me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, when you do stand up now, because of Last Comic Standing and now because of the movie, do you think your audiences know you're trans before you even get on stage, or do you still feel like you have to come out during your set? It's funny. I, 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 last night was maybe the first show where they, I, I was just pretty sure 99% of the audience came because it was me. I, I, and I don't mean that in a bragging way. I always think they show up and go, oh, who's here tonight? Oh, I don't know her. And so I always talk about <coughs> being trans. I always do the, you know, this. But everybody knows now. And trans people are starting to come to my shows, which is wonderful. And so I, I do talk about it, just in case there's a couple of people who don't know. I think you're the most famous trans comedian in the world now, except for maybe Eddie Azard. Well, that's nice of you to say. Right? Who's more? I don't know. I, you what know, trans woman keep, is bigger than you? I don't know. I, people keep telling me that, you know, I'm, I'm famous. I'm like, no, I'm not. Because, <laughs> no, my neighbor up the street, I was out walking one day, and she said, I know you. You're that comedian. You're famous. And I went, really? What's my name? Because I don't know. I go, well, I got I to gotta keep working at it. <laughs> well, but that happens all the time. That's like when I watch a movie with my dad, and he says, that's Hoosier McCallit. Right. <laughs> Who was in that movie with what's-her-name? Well, I thought for a while my name was, was trans-comic Julia Scotty. You know, I, I, he, that's, I swear to God, every time I see a, a, an ad, I want to just scream. I wish, they would, I wish they would just make me comedian Julia Scotty. It feels like at this point you've earned it, right? You should just be Julia yeah. Scotty. I, uh, I keep saying, I don't, I, I'm a comedian who happens to be trans. You don't say that about black comic Eddie Murphy. Well, you know. believe me, I've been on shows where they do say that, but uh, really, not not in the last <laughs> few recently, years. Yeah. Oh, okay. but you yeah. know how it used. To, I mean, MCs are usually such assholes. They say terrible things before they bring you out on stage. This next guy's a homo. Please welcome yeah. Adam Sank. <laughs> Have you gotten that for real? Oh my God! I've he gotten, gets that on the street. I've gotten oh everything. Well, that's true on the street. No, but I, Julia, I've had people. I've had MC say like, uh, "This next guy only got on the show because he blew me." Please welcome Adam Sank. But that's oh true. So. Holy Christ! No, it's like I wish. Uh, all right, Julia. In the time remaining, it's time to play everyone's favorite at-home quiz show. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. Are you ready for this? It's like a lightning round. Okay, well, what are the rules? There are no rules. Just answer oh, okay. the question. All right, go ahead then. <laughs> what was the first joke you ever told on stage? Uh, oh, shit. Uh, I, I came out on stage as Moses. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was dressed up. That's a brave thing. I was doing a commercial for Ten Commandments hair coloring for men. That's was, hilarious. The, yeah, well, <laughs> you should bring that back. No, no. That's back when my comedy name was Hacky Hackasaurus. <laughs> Julia, who is your celebrity crush? Oh, there's so many. Um, oh, Jane Lynch. Oh, right. interesting. Okay. We've never gotten that answer. Or, or Alice and Janney. Okay, so you like the tall, the tall women. Well, I'm tall, so I, uh, you know. You got to have sense. someone that's easy to kiss. Yeah. If I had to choose one of those two, Allison, I'd go with Allison. I fucking love Allison Jenny. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. She's just. Who's the best comedian that's ever lived? Jack Benny. Interesting. Mm-hmm. He was before my time. What was so special about Jack Benny? Jack Benny was the, he's a master. He's an, you, you can learn. He's one of the best. You made me bring it down to one, but. He's one of my idols. He could get he could milk a laugh better than anyone I've ever seen. What on radio, one of the longest recorded laughs ever came from Jack Benny mm. where he just stared at the audience. Yeah, he was the the king of of reaction, right? His, oh my his God. facial he, expressions. The, and you and if you watch Frasier, Kelsey Grammer pays homage to him constantly in yes. the show. Yeah. He does. It's the slow the slow burn. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, we just talked about this. What's the worst introduction you've ever gotten from an MC that you can remember? Oh man, oh man! Uh, 
I that I, can I can I is this like you can pass? Can, no, you're allowed to pass. Okay, but you're not going to like the next question. Oh, all right. <laughs> what are your <laughs> What are your thoughts on Caitlyn Jenner? I have no thoughts on Caitlyn Jenner, and when they do come into my head, I I go and 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 uh, and, and just bang my head against the wall. So. Shade. Okay. Uh, you've opened for Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. Which one of them is your favorite season? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Bob Gordio was my favorite season. Oh, he was the best. Was that he the one was. Daniel Reichardt played on yes, Broadway, Alex? Was, oh, yeah. Excellent. That's a yeah. good segue because he's going to be on the show in a few weeks. Okay. Oh, oh, Bob Gordio? No, Daniel Reichardt, the oh, actor okay. who played him. I'll on. tell you, my, my favorite opening act was for Lou Rawls because he, he really, really, um, he was my first concert opening. I was scared to death. And this man, as sweet as he was, he knew I was nervous. He took me behind the theater. Mm. And we just sat there. We were smoking. I was smoking. I was smoking back then. And he said to me in that deep voice, he goes, you know, you're here because somebody thought you were good enough to be on this show. And he goes, that's good enough for me. And, and What a and lovely goes, thing to say. And, and he didn't have to do that. I mean, he was a huge star at that point. Uh, and I never forgot it. And I have told young comics that, who for whatever reason have come up to me and go, I can't believe I'm opening for you. I go, what the hell are you talking about? Hmm. And then I tell them the Lou Rawls story, and they feel better. The only time I've ever opened for a musical act was uh, Martha Wash at Joe's Pub, and it was the worst set of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I always have have found that when people show up to to see a concert, they don't want comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That happened with me with Casey and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> I, I, I walked out on stage and they're like, fucking KC, bring KC out. Like, yeah, yeah okay, I'll bring about like 20 minutes. Fuck, no, no. It, it's a strange <laughs> thing to have a comic opening for a singer. Like, let, let, have a singer open for a singer. It, you, you would think, right? I opened for Chicago, though. Oh, my and, God. And that was pretty wild. That was like a 5,000-seat room. And those guys were so cool. Because we, you know, we were at, we were at dress right, and and they're you know they had craft services in the back. We're all eating dinner, right? And I forget who I think it was Pankow. I can't remember Jimmy Pankow. I think his name is. He says to me, uh, "How do you do that? How do you go out in front of all those people?" I go, "You're fucking Chicago, right? <laughs> you know, you're working in stadiums. What are you kidding me?" He goes, "Yeah, but if I fuck up, um, I got the rest of the band to cover for me." I go, I never thought of it that way. Thanks a lot, asshole. Now I gotta go out. <laughs> yeah, but I find as a, like, I look at sketch uh, comics or improv comics, and I think I couldn't do that because you have to depend too much yes. on the people around you. Like, I'd rather know that it was all on me because yes. I know I'm not going to fuck up, but I don't know if the person next to me is going to fuck up, you know? I agree with you. I totally agree with you. I it's like being in a band, being in a sketch comedy troupe. Yeah, except you're making it up as you go along, and yeah. if it's improv. Um, what has been the most, I mean, I think I probably know the answer to this, but what's been the most exciting day or night of your life so far? Mm, there's so many of them. I'd have to say the first shot out of AGT, yeah, I'd have to say that. What, how did your life change after that, and was it immediate? Uh, in a couple of ways. The producer, actually, right before I went on, <clears throat> he said to me, he said, your life is never going to be the same after this. I hope you know that. And I was like, wow. no, but thank you for that again. Mm-hmm. Um, before, you, before you went on stage? Before I went on stage, yeah. Jesus, that's a lot of pressure. You think? <laughs> well, his other, his other, he was a cool guy. He, he, his name was Nigel. They were all British on that show. Nigel Lithgow. St- we're, we're literally standing in the wings. I'm ready to go on. The, and he just looks at me and he goes, in his deadpan British way and he goes, Julia? Whatever you do, don't fuck this up. Uh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Just like RuPaul. Again, I love you too, Nigel. And um, <laughs> how my life changed? Well, it, 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 people began to recognize me on the street. Um, people, you know, all of a sudden, uh, I was not anonymous anymore. Right, and you don't realize how wonderful anonymous is <laughs> until you don't have it. Yeah, it's a bl- fame is a blessing and a curse. We're gonna have exactly. to exactly, and I and I'm lucky at this stage of my career. I have just enough fame 
for it not to be dangerous. Well, the, what I get from the documentary is that you, your life is very blessed, and I'm so happy yes. for you. I wish you all the best, and I thank you so much for talking to us. Julia Scotty, Funny That Way, is available uh, for streaming rental on Amazon, iTunes, other platforms. How can people follow you online? Uh, you can find me on, on Facebook, Twitter, Julia Scotty 4. You can go to my website, uh, juliascotty.com. It's got my schedule. It's got everything up there, everything... Julia Scotty, and that's sick of Scotty with an name. I. Thank you so much. Best to you, honey. Thank you. Take care. Alex and JB, please plug yourselves. Hey, Alex Ringler on Instagram and Alex Ringler Zero on TikTok. Follow. Stocking Anarchy 12, only on Instagram. Thank you both so much. Tune in next week to hear a brand new ass with our very special in-studio guests, Daniel Reichardt and Patrick McCollum, a couple. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram at adamsank and on TikTok at adamsankofficial. Email me your dick pics at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Happy Pride. Bye. Thank you, Alex. Love you.